Welcome to episode 72 of the Inspired Energy Podcast with Murray Guest. And in this episode, I'm catching up with Christopher Miller, a strengths-based coach and facilitator based in Wellington, New Zealand. I absolutely loved this conversation with Chris. He's so passionate about strengths and we explored his strengths, the impact it's made in his life from a professional and personal perspective, and also the work he does with organizations particularly small business. In the conversation, we talk about some of his core models that he's developed uh, around purpose, values, and strengths, and how important it is to really understand what your purpose is as an individual and also as an organization. We also talk about his love most matrix, and I loved this simple tool, which is so powerful for individuals and for teams to really identify how they can change the way they work with a strengths-based approach around what you love doing most. And you'll hear in the podcast um, that I'm going to try this out with the family as well because I can see the real power in just using this in all areas of our life. Chris also talks about his greatest imaginable challenges and inspiration for creating these from reading Jim Collinson's book, Good to Great. And it was fantastic just to hear about uh, these greatest imaginable challenges he set for himself and the inspiration for that and even the reference to this great challenge that his wife set for herself which was basically to ride from the southernmost tip of England all the way to the north and how he supported her to do that over 17 days so again amazing big challenges being set and delivered on. Uh, Chris's passion for his work comes out in everything that we talk through and his depth of understanding um, around strengths from his own business and also his time working for Gallup came through. Um, I love this chat and please check out the links in the show note for the links to the resources that Chris has available on his website for the uh, many things we talk through in this conversation. Again, if you got something out of this podcast, please share it on social media, particularly LinkedIn, tagging Chris and myself and use the hashtag Inspired Energy. And lastly, if you enjoyed this conversation, and I really hope you did as much as I uh, did catching up with Chris, uh, please give us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Would love to see it on there as well. So sit back, enjoy this great conversation with Chris Miller, strengths-based coach based in Wellington, New Zealand. Welcome, Chris, to the podcast. Great to have you. Uh, how are you on this winter morning? Uh, very well, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's uh, yeah, it's nice and sunny, but windy in Wellington. Yeah, Wellington has that that reputation for getting a bit windy and a bit cold. Um, how's it been? Uh, it's been all right. I mean, we, we've we've traveled winter reasonably well. It uh, it hasn't been it hasn't been brutal as it can be some years. Uh, but it's been it's been uh, yeah certainly manageable more than manageable. I'd like to invite anyone and everyone actually. If you haven't been to Wellington, uh, it's one of my favourite cities. Such a great part of the world. I love New Zealand, and I think Wellington's just such a great size. So much to do and see. It's a beautiful part of the world. Uh, how long have you been in Wellington for? So I've been here since two thousand and seven. Uh, mm-hmm. So a good thirteen years now, uh, and Wellington has always been home. Uh, we haven't uh, we haven't moved around New Zealand. Uh, we started up the Kapiti Coast a little bit, and then moved to, to into the center of Wellington, and we've been here ever since. Yeah, and um, as I said, great place to visit. I've been there a few times. Love it over there, and obviously uh, this year, twenty twenty, has been a challenging year for so many people. Uh, COVID in so many different ways. Chris, how have you been, and how's the business going after all we've been experiencing? Yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's certainly been it's had its challenges, and like you, uh, there's a lot of transition from uh, a. a co- quite a substantial amount of face-to-face work within Wellington uh, that I, that I offset with a lot of telephone coaching work and, um, and, zo- and, and kind of video uh, consulting uh, from, from where I am. Uh, but all of my face-to-face obviously during COVID had to transition to Zoom sessions and some of my clients were quite big and, and were juggling multiple people and facilitating coaching sessions with, with, with lots of it, lots of input from, on the client side and others were just one-on-one sessions that switched from face-to-face coaching in cafes or offices to 
face to face zoom call or even just a telephone call which i've really enjoyed um it's it's been it's it's there's a little bit of freedom to uh just being on the phone with a client and being really focused on them and their needs um in a way that that is perhaps different to the to the to the face-to-face -face relationship that I've had so um, now that we've sort of we've started to come out although we've gone back into a certain alert alert level um, I've, I'm kind of mixing up my client relationships with uh, a bit of zoom a bit of face-to-face -face, a bit of telephone um, and 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 I think clients are appreciating that variety I mean some some have a preference but but most most are quite comfortable doing it uh, quite differently now that we've all experienced working from home and 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 what that what comes with it I, I totally agree I think the appetite for online training and you know doing sessions over zoom and different formats for coaching from my experience with my clients and other coaches I've been talking to, that appetite's increased. And that desire to have everything face-to-face, -face, I think, has changed. Um, I'm certainly moving forward with my business with a bit of a sort of hybrid model with a mix of the online and the face-to-face because -face, I still love that, that energy you get in the room. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, the appetite's changed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, I, and I find it interesting. I think uh, everybody kind of went Zoom mad and we were all doing face-to-face -face Zoom sessions and, and everybody was getting exhausted by the end of a, a normal day or by Tuesday you were wiped out. Um, and, and I think we all learned from that and, and, and I'm really enjoying, I guess, convincing clients the value of an old-fashioned telephone call mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't involve video, that doesn't involve FaceTime, that doesn't involve whatever. Um, because you can you you can you, you can imagine where the client is and and you can have a very uh, strong heart to heart conversation that doesn't require seeing their facial mannerisms um, yeah. and, and being stuck to a screen. I had a leader. Funny you say that. I had a leader. One of my clients in the past few weeks say, oh, "I'm sick of Zoom. Just just pick up the phone and give me a phone call." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think everybody has felt that. Yeah. Now you. Uh doing some amazing work with organizations with a strengths-based approach. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast because I love the work that you do and the impact that makes. Can we just go back a bit in your journey? Why strengths for you and how did you get introduced to this whole world of strengths? Yeah. So I'll back up even, even pre strengths. I, I trained, I I'm, I'm Canadian by origin and I moved to the UK uh, where I had a, a fairly substantial pharmaceutical career, mostly in sales and marketing. And then towards the end of that career, I was a people leader and I discovered the art of coaching as an extension of my management skill. And I fell in love with coaching. I fell in love with what it does, how it works, how it, how it gets the best out of people and so I trained as a corporate executive coach with the coaching academy in the UK. And then when my wife and I immigrated to New Zealand, I, I joined a business coaching company and I coached small businesses for about three years. And then I had the opportunity to join Gallup as an employee. And if you join Gallup, you're instantly uh, introduced to the strengths to the strengths movement, yeah. right? If you if you don't buy into the strengths movement, don't join Gallup. Yeah. Um, it and and so that was a real joy for me. I mean, I'm I'm I with input and learner in my top five. I I when I landed in Gallup, it was like this avalanche of books to read and and white papers and and files that uh, reference strengths and engagement and all of the science that Gallup does so well. So I trained as a Gallup coach within Gallup. Um, so as a senior, I was senior consultant for New Zealand, um, really leading culture change programs based on strengths and engagement, and uh, and and really uh, fell in love with the science of strengths at that time. Um, at, and at the time, I kind of uh, started to understand my own top five and my own top ten, and that was really relevant. But but I suppose what 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 it with time and with the, I guess, the, the emphasis on strengths within the Gallup family, um, the relevance of my strengths to my marriage and my kids and mm. my hobbies and my fitness and my, uh, it, it just all be, it all kind of exploded about three to four years after I understood my profile for the first time. Um, so that was really, that was really fascinating. And, and, and that's one of the things that I really enjoy doing for clients is this is not a workplace tool. This is a life tool that happens to work in the workplace. 
Um, so I introduced yeah. some new leaders to strengths this week, uh, which was uh, fantastic. Uh, those initial conversations and you and I are so aligned because my conversations were definitely around. This is the start of a journey about understanding your strengths and, if anyone that's been through the strengths process, we talk about name it, claim it, aim it, and that uh, aiming and even the claiming can take some time, can't it? Mm, yeah, it it can. Um, one of the one of the things that I realized about my own coaching, though, because I because I uh, I I do corporate and executive coaching mostly within Gallup with Gallup clients, and then I do my own private uh, small business clients within Wellington my corporate coaching is normally a single session with a full 34 report. And I, I used to religiously go through the name it, claim it, aim it process. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and, and, and unfortunately, as is the way aiming it came in the last 10 to 15 minutes of the conversation. And I kind of went, this is not working for executives who have limited time. So I actually turned it on its head and I now do aim it up front. I ask, I ask my clients, very clearly at the very beginning of the rapport building of the session is what are some of your biggest goals for this year and and what are some of your biggest challenges and then we do the walkthrough of their top 10 and their bottom five in the context of those challenges um, and it brings it to life much more fully i find than leaving aiming it till the end of a call I, I love that turning it around and i think you've articulated something that i've been doing but i haven't articulated as well as as what you just stepped us through. I've had clients say to me in my coaching sessions, they say, so tell me what do I do with my strengths? And then my question back to them is, so what are you trying to achieve? Or what are your goals? Or what's a mm. challenge you're trying to overcome? Yeah. We'll talk about that. And then how do your strengths help you in one of those situations? So um, yeah, I love how you've, you've really thought it openly about, well, let's turn that around. And, and, and don't get me wrong, that was like a two-year process. Mm. It didn't happen overnight. <laughs> but, but, but I kind of had a wake-up call one day when I went, I'm, I'm coaching a, the, the, the C-suite team, and they don't have time for uh, faffing around on uh, kind of a bit of navel-gazing. They really need it to, to have an impact very early. Yeah, that's a, such a good point. And I think, uh, again, thinking about what's the partnership with uh, a client or a coachee and how much time you have to then best serve them. Because if yes. it's a, like a 10 session partnership where you're working through a number of processes, you might change that process around. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So you mentioned strengths has impacted you personally and professionally. Um, if you were to pick one of your top five, that's really made a difference in your life or a couple, what ones stand out for you? Uh, well, yeah, they all have. Uh, I, uh, my, my number one is interesting because maximizer um, Maximizer for me was kind of mid-teens when I first did Strengths Finder and when I first did Clifton Strengths, and since um, and then I redid it when I when I became self-employed when I mm -hmm. left the corporate world and became self-employed. Maximizer moved from like seventeen to number one, and I couldn't figure out why it had made such a big switch. But it, in time, I've just fallen in love with it over and over and over again, and so. That, that, that energy of constant never-ending improvement when you are self-employed, right? You have to be self-motivated to keep improving your business every day, keep improving your client relationships every day. Um, and, and even in my personal life, the, the, the energy of, without, without going over the top with it, but the energy of improving my, my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my sons, um, it, it's always in my mind, not in an overt way, but I know there's, there's a piece of me that wants to keep making things better yes gotcha. um, yeah and 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 several years when and when i when i first realized that when it first made the jump from kind of lower down my list to to number one um i i i kind of fell into the maximizer trap which is the perfectionist making things perfect every step of the way and i and i've softened on myself right my standards for myself were just too high and i was and i was i was i was creating a lot of pressure for myself that was unnecessary and and to, to to be able to relax it and just enjoy the journey of tomorrow will be a little bit better than today just make that happen that that that's a it's been a great philosophy for me to adopt mm -hmm. um i have maximized the number 12 and i reckon early in my life it would have been higher because as you're talking through 
the way you see the world and the way that Maximizer shows up for you. I totally connect with that. Um, I just want to check in. You said you've done the assessment twice. Did you have yep. much other changing in your dominant strengths and talents when you redid the assessment? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I did my, my first assessment was when I joined Gallup and that was in 2010. And then I set up my own business in September, 2017. And in late 2017 or early 2018, I did it. I did it the second time. And I really did it on the premise that my, my mindset as an, as a self-employed entrepreneur was very different to my mindset as an employee. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and that was my rationale for doing it twice. Now, the interesting thing is nine out of my top 13 remain the same. Yep. Right. So nine out of my top 13 remain the same, but the four that were added were very relevant to life as a life in self-employment. Mm. Uh, so maximizer at number one, um, my connectedness, uh, also came up to number three, uh, my self-assurance came up. Um, and, 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 and that, that confidence, that, that ability, like I, I never would have, I, I probably grew into the courage to launch my own business. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 it, and it was reflected in the movement of my self-assurance, which was mm. really interesting. Well, I think those numbers that you just talked us through are consistent with the research of Don Clifton around that repeatability of the assessment. Yes. Yes. Um, which is great to hear. And, um, and certainly my journey, you know, five and a half years ago, starting my own business, uh, isn't just a switch overnight, is it? We go, oh, let's just start a business. Goes, <laughs> yeah, there's a journey there. Um, but yeah, I love that that awareness that you've got. Can I ask though, is there anything that dropped out of your dominant talents that surprised you? Well, the funny thing was, my I had originally memorized and committed to growing my top ten, and communication was in my top five in my mm. old pattern. And communication dropped to 13. Yeah, wow. So as a, re as a result of that, I decided I was going to memorize my top 13. So they became my <laughs> dominant themes. And, and interestingly enough, my relator and strategic are at, uh, uh, sorry, strategic then relator at uh, 14 and 15. They also became more, I became more aware of the way I was using those in, over the last couple of years. And I, and I just decided that 15 was a relevant uh, threshold to, uh, to uh, acknowledge my dominant themes. Um, but, but communication dropping out of my top 10 and me being so wedded to being a good communicator and, and being proud of having communication originally in my top five meant that I committed my dominant themes much lower down my list. Yeah, and I agree with you there in the, the um, understanding of our dominant group is somewhere, honestly, over the, my years, what I've experienced with people I've worked with, it sort of sits somewhere around between 10, maybe 15, 16, mm. where that sort of shifts from that dominant to that sort of some of the time that I, I live those strengths. Um, um, and I, I can hear your communication still there, Chris. Don't worry, it hasn't dropped too low. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so tell me a bit about how, when you partner with a, a client, mm. you leverage purpose, values, and strengths to shape their culture. Mm. I, I, love, I love aiming strengths, uh, but in particular, I love aiming strengths at culture as defined by purpose and values. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, what a lot of organizations have been reasonably good at is kind of developing a, a, a commentary for themselves around purpose and values. But what it misses for me is the journey for the individual of defining their purpose and their values. So I do a lot of sequential facilitation processes that allow a client to discover purpose at an individual level as well as a collective level discover and acknowledge values at an individual level and a collective level, right? The values of someone who's in your business, who's a parent are different to the values of a millennial who isn't a parent yet. Yes, They're just yeah. different. Yeah. But if you don't acknowledge that before you write the values for the organization, then you come out with a list of commentary that, that half the room doesn't get or doesn't accept. And we're trying to squeeze everyone into matching a set of values. Well, that's right. That's yeah. right. And, and values are not, values are not 
a rule book to live by. They are a uh, they're a, they're a philosophy that we agree with. They mm. are they are a, they are an, they're an energy, right? That we all kind of go, yeah, that's how we want to be seen. That's how we want to be portrayed. That's how we want to treat other people. Um, and 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 that formula of building purpose at the individual level, values at the individual level, and then purpose at the organizational level, values at the organizational level, and then asking how does our strengths profile allow us to express our values and our purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what strengths brings from that self-awareness uh, of myself and others and values and that values understanding for self and others. And that's just another lens, isn't it? For understanding how we see the world, how we want to show up and live in the world as well. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I find it really fascinating that when, when people uh, both start by separating and then integrating purpose, values, and strengths, they, it takes a different life. It, mm. it has a different flavor. So when you've, when you've decided what we care about most in life and what we care about most in, in, at work, and you can overlay that with we are an influencing team or we are an executing team or we are a relationship building team, you can see when, even after they've built the values, you can see the strengths reflected in the language they've chosen. Yeah. With, even when even when you do it without the team grid present in that in those sessions. For the organizations you work with, is there a set sequence in which you explore this that you think works better than others? Yeah, it it's it's usually purpose for the individuals, purpose for the organization, values for the individuals, values for the organization, and then how do we aim our strengths at all of that? Yeah, great. That's usually, it, it varies sometimes, but that's usually the sequence. Yeah. Okay. And um, at the moment, are you um, finding that there's a reset? And we talked a little bit about this before we started recording today, a bit of a reset around values and purpose with all that's happened in 2020, do you think? Yeah, there is. It almost feels a bit early. I think people are... So, some individuals have the energy to bring that to the table like now, and they mm -hmm. want to change things now. Um, the or, mo most organizations are still so uncertain of lockdown, no lockdown, partial lockdown. What does the future hold? Where are we going? Like they're, they're definitely, they're, they're, they've definitely had kind of light bulb moments at home, working from home going, we really should think again about our purpose and values. But I'm not convinced that they are uh, I'm not convinced that they have thought about the foundations yeah. or that they're in the right emotional mindset to actually start articulating that well. Yeah, um, I think and, and yeah. it depends it depends on cult, uh, uh, geographically I know there are things going on in Australia that are different to New Zealand, but, and different organizations are at different states of readiness. But I just get this sense that there's still so much uncertainty about the world and even our countries that people are not entirely convinced that a purpose and values exercise are going to bear fruit right now. But mm. early 2021, I suspect, may be a good place to start. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it goes back to your process about we need to understand purpose and values at an individual level because 2020's journey for each person has been very, very different. And taking that into account right now is too early because yeah. we're, we're still in the midst of it in many areas. Yeah. Well, and, and are people leaders brave enough to even tackle the topic of individual purpose, individual values, because that's a very different, that's a very different process to what most organizations follow. Most organizations are very good at putting everybody in the room and saying, why do we exist? What is our purpose as an organization? But nobody asks, what is your individual purpose as a people leader? What is your individual purpose as a contributor? What does that look like? How do, we, how do we capture the organization? How do we make the organizational purpose resonate with your reason for being here? So if someone's listening to our conversation and they're thinking, well, I have no idea what my purpose is. Mm -hmm. What's your advice to that? 
it starts in a couple of different ways, I, and it depends on what their talents are and what their strengths are. I went, I went deep on the literature, right? So Simon Sinek's uh, publications start with why, um, not, not just the purpose-led. So Good to Great, for example, the Jim Collins classic talks about purpose at an organizational level, but I kind of extrapolated from that and asked myself, okay, what coaching questions can I build that elicit a purpose response for me personally, like I did it for myself. And, and it was very much along the lines of just asking, well, why, why am I here? What, and, and, and what am I, and what am I here to contribute? Um, and, and what I was able to do is crystallize, let's say it's probably half a dozen questions along those lines that I've now put into a resource that I use with my clients. And it's, and I call it a purpose creator, which is a bit fancy, but it's, it's the premise is just find the question that resonates with you most, right? What legacy do you want to leave? There are lots of different ways to ask a purpose led question, yep. but, but your ability to find the right question after the right walk through nature or sitting by the beach or being at home with a cup of tea, like whatever the right moment is for you, ask yourself some purpose led questions and, and see what comes up. Um, because somewhere inside you is your purpose and, and you know what it is. You just have never been at, you've never asked yourself those, those questions. Yeah. And um, I think a critical part that you are exploring right now is it's actually taking the preparation time, not just thinking, all right, I'm going to wake up my purpose right now. Mm. It's, there's the getting in the right mindset, getting in the right environment, and giving it the time it needs to actually explore it with some self-reflection or with some coaching from someone like yourself to actually unpack that, you know, with the right questions. And I think you allude to something also, which I really think is important is the purpose of someone at different life stages and life areas can be quite different. Mm. Um, so someone that's, you know, in their sixties, that's been an executive for some time, it might be really focused on legacy versus someone in their twenties, it might be quite different and that's not wrong. It's about, okay, let's understand what that is for you right now. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I like, I like to highlight for people mostly when I'm mostly when I'm in a workshop environment rather than one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, but it's that, it's that spirit of human beings are the only living creature on the planet who's been given the privilege of being able to rewrite their purpose every single day. Mm, mm. So if you want to rewrite your purpose every single day or create a unique purpose for that day, you can. Now, there are lots of people who advocate you need a purpose for a certain season in your life or you need a purpose that transcends your entire life. There's lots of different ways to do it. But the, 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 the really powerful bit about it is the fact that we are capable of articulating our own purpose, however long you want to live with it. Yeah. And that, that sounds exciting um, to then think about, well, then what's possible? Um, and I love that, again, I want to draw attention to get some clarity in that, invest in that, and then start to think about, okay, how can I live my purpose through my strengths? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because, because you and I know that uh, a typically brilliant execution specialist will express a purpose and will live their purpose very differently to a strategic thinker. So your purpose will always be right, but the way you transact that purpose or pursue that purpose may look very different depending on your strengths profile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. So I also know that you, you've got some great resources on your website. We'll make sure in, in the show notes of the podcast to draw people to that. Um, and I think that's going to also help them explore this a bit more as well. Um, I also want to ask you, Chris, about a love most matrix. Mm. I mean, I love the name of it to start with. <laughs> <laughs> Tell well, us about it, that. Yeah, sure. So the love most matrix came from my belief, my fundamental belief in strengths philosophy and knowing that not everybody jumps to knowing their profile overnight 
Mm. Right. So, so because there are so many people who haven't been exposed to Clifton Strengths, or they've done these assessments before and they haven't bought into it, or there's something as a there's a mental barrier for them to even engage in the strengths language. I thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool if I could design a, a tool that allowed people to talk strengths without necessarily needing their own profile? And and that's where the Love Matrix came about. And so. The love most matrix is, is very simple. It's only four quadrants, but it's sitting in a room with an individual or a team and asking them, what do you love most at work or life? What do you love least at work or life? What do you do best? And what do you do worst? At an individual level, it's really enlightening because an individual can start owning what they love least and do worst and going, I need to get rid of those. Yes, or I got yes. to negotiate my way out of those. But at a team level, at team sessions, I love because I'll do it on a whiteboard and I'll put everybody's names down the left-hand side and I'll put the love most matrix across the top and I'll capture everybody's responses as they give them to each book, to each box, right? And it only works when there's a lot of trust in the team because they, you have to be willing to really put it out there that you, you hate something that you're paid to do. Yeah. Um, but, but when you look at the grid and you start seeing people going, I can't believe you love that. I hate doing that. Can, would you mind doing more of that for me? And, and they start like horse trading in the room based on the love most, love least pattern, right? Or the do worst, do best pattern. And it's, and, it's, and it's just really, it's a joy to watch people walk through it because they kind of go, I'm, I'm, allowed, I'm allowed to admit and I'm allowed to acknowledge with my boss in the room that I hate that aspect of my job. Yeah. Right? I, because, I, sorry, I'm getting excited. I, I, I'm picturing it on the whiteboard. I'm picturing that energy in the room when people are sharing and bringing to the surface, maybe some of those things that they maybe in the past are just going, oh, I have to do this. I don't want to do it. And now I've got the permission to say, you know what, I, I really just don't like doing that at all. Yeah. And, and, it, and it allows a really valuable next conversation, which is, okay, you don't like that aspect of your job. How do we negotiate that? Can we outsource it? Can we hand it to another member of the team? Can the boss do it? What is our strategy? Or if it has to remain with that individual, how do you leverage your strengths to make that love least item more palatable? more enjoyable. I I love that, Chris, because again, one of the things I make sure I talk to everyone about when we talk about strengths is it's not an excuse. That's right. Yeah. So you've got this awareness that that's where my dominant strengths and talents lie, but that doesn't mean that you don't need to say, you know, for example, uh, I've got a report that's due, discipline's low, so I'll just do that report whenever I get around to it. No, no, it's it's due on its due date. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm actually thinking this is a powerful tool for families as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm. Well, because, because in a lot of cases, um, the kids especially uh, will feel, I guess, a little bit trapped if they're faced with a love least activity or a do worst activity. And they're kind of like, I know mom and dad want me to do this better but I, I don't have the energy or I don't have the talent or I don't have the desire to get any better at it. So as a parent, you look at the love most and do best stuff and say, well, how do we fill 99% of your week with mm-hmm. those activities? Cause you're going to have a happier child instantly. So Chris, I'll get back to you within a week about the impact this has on my family. <laughs> Great. So kids watch out. We're going to be exploring who's going to do the dishes and, and mop the floor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but the other, but the other way that I, that I look at the, the, the tasks that everybody loves least is how do we, what do we have to inject to make it enjoyable, right? Mm. Put the music on, dance, dance with the mop, do something fun, tell jokes, have the TV on in the background, whatever, like do something that makes it a more enjoyable process because nobody likes doing that activity potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also obviously seeing the um, the impact this can have for an intact team where there is work that's allocated or work that needs to be done and just, again, bring to the surface around how do we get that work done with a real strengths-based and love-based approach. Yes, yes. 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Or, or my motivation for doing something I don't like changes if I can, add, if I can do it through the lens of one of my top five, for example, mm. like if, mm. if, if I, if I see it as if I have high competition and I see it as beating my brother or sister, well, it becomes a very different activity to, oh, I have to do the dishes. Yes. Yeah. And that, and that's the, again, the, the essence of aiming your strengths to achieve something versus how do I just go about living my strengths? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. yeah. Um, thank you. That's a, a great walkthrough of the love most matrix. And um, I, I'd love to know if anyone takes the initiative from what Chris just talked through and applies that with their team. And if you do, please let Chris and I know tag us on social media because Sounds like a powerful thing. And of course, reach out to Chris. I'm sure he can help you work with your team on that as well. Um, so Chris, tell me what's on your plate right now. What are some of the things you're working on currently? So I, uh, I'm in the process during, during, uh, during lockdown in New Zealand, I knew I, I kind of solidified my local clients and I moved them all to phone and zoom and that all went well, but I lost a lot of my international clients because their markets were so disrupted by COVID-19. Mm. And so I had some extra time on my hands and I used it to really look at my own practice development, right? How am I going to change as a business? Uh, and as an, as a, as a, as a as, in terms of putting myself into the marketplace. So I have been investing uh, in a new website and have also invested in a magazine um, that will come out uh, within the next six weeks or so. Um, so that's been a, that's been a huge uh, amount of work because the, the magazine itself is a, is a, is a booklet of client stories, uh, impact on clients, uh, tools, tools that have been used, how those tools have been used in those clients, uh, and, and then examples of the, of the, of the resources themselves in the magazine, uh, itself. Um, so that's been a big part of my energy, uh, lately. Uh, what's been nice in the last, I would say three or four weeks is that some of, because the world has gotten a little more stable or a little more used to COVID-19 that my, my executive coaching in my international executive coaching has started to drift back. Yep. I've also had more leads for my local clients um, or potentially more new local clients. So my business development effort and my engagement with international clients has, has gone up a little bit um, on top of kind of executing the final throws of the website and the, and the, the insights magazine. Um, so that's been really rewarding and, and I'm, re I'm going to be, I'm really proud of it. It's not, it's not quite finished yet, but I'm really proud of how it looks at the moment. I'm really excited for that magazine and I look forward to reading that. Uh, I mean, that's a great piece to do it, to invest that time to really capture the impact of what you've done with your clients. So yeah, really look forward to that coming out in the, in the coming weeks. And of course your new website, I know what that can be like, cause it's a bit of a journey sometimes. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So well done on investing the time in that as well. Um, on your website though, at the moment you've got, uh, some work you've invested in your purpose and values, which I, I think is fantastic the way you've done that. And you are living and breathing the type of work you do with your clients. Um, so if anyone wants to check out Chris's website, uh, either now or in the new version, you're going to see that, which I think is great, but something else you've got, which um, to be honest, I haven't seen on the website before is your greatest imaginable challenges. Mm. You've got these three things outlined there. And I, again, I love this. Um, Tell me where that came from, and if you can talk us through those, that'd be great. Yeah, I I was I was really one of one of the one of my favorite uh, business development uh, books uh, that I actively used uh, extensively in business coaching was Good to Great by Jim Collins, and in Good to Great, uh, Jim Collins talks a lot about organizations having a big hairy audacious goal yep. and 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 everybody kind of most people in the business world know that term now he coined it it's 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 it's, it's very relevant and very special but i found that a couple of things one the big hairy audacious goal felt organizational not individual and it also the word audacious felt very north american to me and i'm a canadian so <laughs> i i kind of i kind of went ah, just irks me sometimes using that language. So I, I reflected on the three pillars that, that, that uh, Jim advocated building a big, hairy, audacious goal and adapted it to an individual. 
Um, so it is still about all about passion. What are you most passionate about? What do you do best in life? What are you best at? And where can you add most value to yourself or others? Right? Mm. So those are the three principles. And that's how I coach Greatest Imaginable Challenge. I ask those three questions. And I get people to answer them individually to start with. And then I ask them to look at them collectively and ask yourself, how do they come together? What is your Mount Everest for the next 10 to 20 years of your life? And you can have many. You, can have, you don't have to have one. You can have several. Uh, but, but I'll give you an example in my life. Uh, my, my wife uh, loves cycling. She loves cycling, but she cycles on her own. She doesn't cycle in a club. She just goes out on her own and cycles. Um, she, she also, what she does best is she always finishes what she starts. She always finishes what she starts. And in terms of adding value, um, she knew she wanted to have a, uh, a meaningful achievement before we left the UK in this kind of domain. And so she woke up one morning and said, I'm going to cycle the length of Great Britain. And wow. I said, pardon? <laughs> I, I said, what? And, and at the time, we had a, we had a three-year-old at home, and she was cycling, but not all that aggressively. And I thought, well, how are you going to do that? Like, how are you going to train for that? And then how are you actually going to execute it? And within, within four weeks, she had worked out her training plan. She had booked all the bed and breakfasts. We, 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 eight, or eight to 10 weeks later, we were down in Cornwall, starting, in, uh, starting at Land's End. And she got on her bike. And myself and my three-year-old son, uh, our, our eldest son at the time, um, sat in the car. And we, took, we picked her up at the end of every day. And we dropped her off at the beginning of every day. And she solo cycled 17 days up the length of Great Britain. And that was, that was her greatest imaginable challenge. Um, wow. So it, it, it can be, it can be work related. It can be fitness related. It can be academic. It can be whatever, but, but just find something you're passionate about. Find something that plays to your strengths and find something that you know will add value to you or your family or your community and, and, and see where it leads you because uh, that's, that's what great lives are made of. I, I figure, um, we, we, we can all get caught in the normalcy of a nine to five just doing stuff. Yep. Whereas a greatest imaginable challenge is like a light at the end of the tunnel that says, okay, that's the big thing I'm going to accomplish in the next 10 years. So what's one of your great imaginable challenges that you'd love to share right now? Uh, so, uh, yeah, thanks, Murray. Um, <laughs> the, uh, Probably the most relevant one at the moment. I'm, I'm really, I, I kind of left, I, I very much moved back from the corporate world into small business coaching with an intention. I had a real reason behind it. I love small businesses. I love owning one. I love helping other owners of small businesses. Um, I, love, I love the fact that in most countries around the world, uh, small businesses are like the engine of the economy uh, yep. when you get right down to it. Um, and so I've set myself a, a, an objective of um, meaningfully influencing the GDP of New Zealand by investing in the small to medium-sized uh, enterprise sector. Um, and, and I have a role model in mind. Um, there, there was a guy named Edwards Deming uh, who was quite famous um, in the two decades after World War II. Um, and he, he went to Japan and helped Japan recover from World War II. And he was the father of total quality management and continuous quality improvement. Like he, 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 he changed a country, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not, not single-handed. There were a lot of other people who contributed, contributed but he was a catalyst for that. And a, um, can I just and, say, and a real legacy. I mean, Deming is oh, still yeah. referred to today for that impact, as you said, around TQM and um, continuous improvement. Yeah, absolutely. And so my own investment in uh, small business coaching, but more than that, it's more than coaching. It's, it's, it's me developing intellectual property like the Love Most Matrix and, and tools that people can use that are useful and transform a, a business quite quickly. Um, 
that's that's where my heart is and and i it, again it's a it's a 10 to 15 year vision for me uh, uh i i have i i love what i do and i see myself working at least that long if not longer and so it, um our intention as a family is to be in new zealand and and for my target market to be very much new zealand small businesses uh and and that and that's a real dream of mine if i can if i can make it happen i love that chris and and thank you for letting me put you on the spot and <laughs> And thank you for sharing that because I think that's very inspiring to, to myself and to other people that do work like we do about getting real clarity in the impact and the why of what you do and having that long-term vision. Um, so you've got me thinking more deeply and how I can get greater clarity in that for myself. So I've got a bit of homework out of this podcast, which is awesome. I've got to get back to you on that. Good. So I know a good you. coach who can help you. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll be in contact. Don't worry, my friend. Um, I want to ask a few rapid fire questions and then uh, we'll just wrap up with a few more things. But um, I hope you can strap in for a few rapid fire questions. Yeah, go for it. So as someone high in input and learner, uh, if you were to recommend uh, a few books, for a leader, what would you recommend? Uh, I would I would start with strength based leadership, um, mm -hmm. just because it combines the philosophy of strengths with leadership styles so well, and it and it articulates the needs of followers uh, in the context of that leadership style. So all of that book is fantastic by Tom Rath. Um, uh, that that would be a, a really good place to start. Um, I think from a from a uh, from an organizational point of view, um, I would also I'd, I'd go back to good to great. Uh, even though even though it's dated now, and and many of the companies that were assessed went through lot they they've all gone through lots of change since the book was published. But yep. the but the principles of the chapters, right? The power of and the BHAG, um, core purpose, core values. All of them are principles that a small business or a big business should be following uh, because they have stood the test of time and they have created some of the best organizations in the world. Um, so so those, those, would be, those would be a couple that I'd start with. Okay. So strengths-based leadership and good to great. Fantastic. Um, what's your definition of culture? Culture for me is how we treat each other and how we treat all of our stakeholders. So internally, it's, it's leadership and followers, it's, 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 it's individual contributors with each other, it's team, it's team atmosphere, it's, it's the how we treat each other as human beings, and what principles do we use to treat our clients and to treat our strategic partners. Um, that for me is what culture is. Yeah, fantastic. If there was one place you could travel in the world right now, if there was no restrictions, where would you love to go? Home to Halifax, Nova Scotia. Oh, that was pretty quick. Yep. Okay. Got you. Um, if there was anything you could eat right now without any trouble, if there was like this go-to meal that you just wish you could have, what would that be? Atlantic lobster. Oh, in Nova Scotia, I guess. That's right. <laughs> Light it up. Light it. Okay. Um, what's one of your strengths that's right down the bottom of your 34 that you are just totally okay with it sitting there? Yeah. My discipline is pretty low. And, yeah. and, I, and, and I find it really hilarious because a lot of people see me as incredibly productive and very reliable but I do it without discipline. I do it without routine and structure. I just, I just, I, I, I use other strengths to prioritize. Um, but I don't need a schedule necessarily. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm not bald. I'm not bothered that it's at the bottom of my list. It, it just is what it is. Understand. Totally got that. Um, and last question, if someone was visit, visiting Wellington, um, where do you think would be one of the first places they should go? Te Papa. Yeah. Te Papa is the National Museum and it's, it's extraordinary. I mean, even by, I've seen a number of great museums around the world and Te Papa ranks right up there with, with the best. 
So for someone as um, high in relator, relator number one, I throw questions at people that a whole range of areas of their life and you've answered those quite well. So thank you for opening up, Chris. Really appreciate that. Um, and in my trips to Wellington, I haven't been to the museum. So that's gone up to top of my list. So thank you for that. No worries. This is the Inspired Energy Podcast. And I ask everyone this question. What is your definition of inspired energy? Inspired energy to me is built on fulfillment um, and fulfillment for me is living your purpose every single day. So inspired energy is your opportunity to live your purpose and feel fulfilled with your life. And that's a choice thing. That's not mm. a circumstance thing. That's a choice. You can choose to feel fulfilled every single day. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. I totally resonate with the power of choice in that. And obviously there's a great link there to mindset and the way we approach our situation. And again, links back to your exploration of purpose today and how important that is. So thank you. And I've loved this chat. Um, I've been watching you, stalking you online for a while. <laughs> <laughs> the great work you do and we've met through um, meetups and um, it's just been so great to just have this conversation today and take the opportunity to share your knowledge and wisdom. So Chris, thank you so much for your generosity in this conversation. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, if you want to find out more about Chris, check out uh, his website, christophermiller.co.nz, and there'll be a link to that in the show notes. And if you got something from this conversation, which I'm sure you did, Christopher covered so much great um, examples, resources, and strategies you can do. So please, if you got something out of any of this conversation, share it on social media, uh, particularly LinkedIn, and tag Christopher and myself, because um, we'd love to know about that. Chris, all the best for the remainder of 2020, the launch of your magazine, your new website. Keep doing the awesome work you do and I look forward to staying in touch. Fantastic. Thanks, Murray. Thanks, mate. 